Good morning. I think I have a little appetizer before the main meal. You know, if you look in um, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's kind of laying out the, some groundwork about what had happened. And he talked about Jesus being seen by over 500 people. In uh, verse, um, verse 7, he says, After that, after Jesus had died, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also. What can I do to stop the echo? Okay. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was given to me, the grace of God that was with me. And I felt like I had a word this week just kind of on my heart, and that's about kind of the same thing like Lori's word and Savannah's word about exert ourselves and Paul exerted himself by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit in his life it wasn't his human effort but knowing he was called of God he used the Holy Spirit in him he used that grace which is God's ability and power to do what he was to do and he already puts himself on that level playing field where he was not worthy every day we are bombarded as Christians in our unworthiness but when are we going to put it aside and believe what the word says about us, that the grace of God is enough for us to overcome. When I drove truck, we used to chain our loads down, and we had a little 14-inch like chain binder, and you had two hooks. You hook one end of the chain and the one on the other end, and you'd pull the chain as tight as you could so that your low was secure. And sometimes you weren't going very far, and the low was pretty secure. You just threw it hand tight, and it was, eh, a little wiggle in it. But if you really wanted to get it down, you had to exert pressure on it. We carried this like three and a half foot, uh, we call it a trucker's bar. It was just a pipe. And you'd slip it on the end of that chain binder and you would put it in an extra high rung and you would pull it down. And if you ever let go of that thing, you're going to get hurt because that bar is going to fly out before that binder is closed. And if we hauled something that was on wheels, we would get two, maybe two guys. Sometimes we were two guys on the end of this bar and we were saying, don't let go, don't let go, until we got that thing so tight, you do not even be around when you let that thing loose. That, was, that pipe represented grace, and the extra pressure and leverage it put was exerting pressure and power on that chain binder to put it and to make it be closed. You have to see yourself differently than you are. There's an incredible grace of God in your life that wants to exert through you to do things differently and to experience God in the way that he wants for you to, ex to experience him. Verse 10 again, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And sometimes we, we consider ourselves, but we look in the past, I am what I am. And we're looking in the rearview mirror, we're condemning ourselves, we're seeing our failures. But that's not the present time. Paul didn't stay in his place of persecuting the church. He looked ahead of the grace that came into his life when he was, uh, experienced Jesus. And so the day you experienced Jesus, the day you received him, the grace of God was delivered to you, but you got to begin to look forward. you got to move past 
your feelings and your thoughts and use the grace of God to exert that power in your life to overcome and to be who God's called you to be. By God's grace, I am what I am. His grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored. See, that's talking about effort. It's not talking about works that are going to save you. It's works in following the obedience of the Holy Spirit to use God's power to overcome. I labored more abundantly than they all, than all the other apostles. It's pretty clear, huh? Because we see in the New Testament how much Paul wrote and he declared uh, information for us that was revelational because it told us how the local church was supposed to grow and how the body of Christ was supposed to come together and how disciplines and things are supposed to happen in the local church. And they become like they became like canon. They became like these scriptures of which we take revelation from and build our Christian life on. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but grace of God which was with me. Again, getting to the place where we learn how to let God use our body, use our mind, use our emotions, use our gifts so that the kingdom of God is advanced. And we're not just in this place of always thinking like we have to do everything on our own. And we do try because we have natural minds, we have natural gifts, and so we live in this natural life, and so we're always trying to do things for God with our own strength. So much for the appetizer. You know, this year we started off, it just seems like we talked about the prophetic and we've had times in our services where there's a, an extra prophetic presence. And we saw even that today, people sharing and stuff. We're contending for that prophetic presence. The prophetic presence is God speaking to us now in, in a real way, in a, in a clear way, speaking to us where we feel it and we experience it. And it's always nice to be in a church service where you feel God's presence. But more important is that our heart is, is throbbing with the power of the Holy Spirit in conviction, in revelation, in passion, and encouragement about what God's doing in our lives. It is the Word that must become flesh and must become real in our lives. It must become active. And when you hear a word, especially when your heart feels like, hey, this word's for me, you've got to nurture that word by talking to God about it. God, God, make this word come to pass. Today, you're going to hear some words that are kind of challenging because they're about our tongue. They're, they're about our, our attitude. They're, they're about division and discord and uh, busy, being a busybody and a tailbearer. And that can get you to feel like, oh, my, this is negative. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, was going to be sent to bring conviction to us. Not condemnation. Satan condemns us. But it's so easy to be convicted by the Holy Spirit about something and then you're so overwhelmed about how you feel about it, and especially if the word is challenging the way you're behaving or the way you're acting or the way you're speaking in light of what we're going to talk about today, that it suddenly turns into condemnation or it causes us to look so inward we're not relying on God convicting us by the Holy Spirit because He wants to change, He wants to do something. When you're convicted, it's the same thing. The grace of God is coming to you and saying, I want to help you with this. And so all you have to do is say, okay, that's me. I, I own that. I hear what the Word says. I'm convicted. Okay, now change me, Holy Spirit. And how do I move forward with the conviction? Again, you don't want to go into going from conviction to guilt. It's not going to change you. It's going to make you actually, it's going to make you pull away from God. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm done. And, you, and we, we turn to other things because we don't want to feel guilty. We don't want to feel oppressed by what God's meaning to tell us to change us, to, to correct us, to make us different to allow more of who God is in us to come out in our life. 
to be an expression, to free us, to have that joy and that confidence that God is working and I'm just simply obeying him. So the title of my message is, Lord, Tame My Tongue. This was one of those weeks when a lot of prayer, a lot of reading, a lot of studying, and nothing was clicking. And I could always have a message, but I can't fly like that. I have to have something that I know God wants me to speak. And so, yeah, he came through. That's why there's nothing in your bulletin about it. He came through Friday morning, 4 o'clock. He wakes me up, and I thought, I better get up because he's talking a lot. And I'm in the place in my old age in my mind that if I don't write it down, it's gone. And so I hope this message today will encourage you. But let's pray again for ourselves. Again, you don't want to be here and leave. You want to hear what God has to say to you. And so pray for yourself right now. Lord, I'm praying for myself. Lord, here we are. We have a few more minutes before we go about the busyness of life. We're asking, Lord, for your word to go so deep into our heart. Lord, we want to open ourselves up to be challenged, convicted, Lord. We want to keep following you. We know that you our life, that you have saved us, that you have promised us eternal life, but Lord, you want to move in us now, that you have better things and a better way to live than anything we can imagine, and so we want to keep tapping into that. Oh God, let the seed of your word come in. Let not the enemy steal it from us. Holy Spirit, breathe on your word. Make it alive. Challenge us, Lord. Change us, God. Renew our mind. Renew our, us in our emotions, God. Help us not to just go by our feelings, but Lord, let, our, let us get so strong in our heart, so strong in our spirit, that we override uh, our selfish emotions and those things that are not right. Oh God, change our tongue today. Lord, it is you who can transform the words in our mouth. We ask it in Jesus' name. I think I want to jump ahead to our key verse today so that you can be just getting it in your head. It's on the fourth slide. It's Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So often in, in the church, in our lives, there are so many negative words coming to us that our speech gets contaminated and watered down. And so we're not speaking the truth. We're not speaking the word of God in that powerful way. Even like God, we're, we're creating his image. and We're supposed to get this thing right where the things we speak begin to change things. When we speak to that mountain, when we're used to walking in the right way and using our words right, that we believe our words are powerful, we get to those prophetic moments when we speak to something and it changes. So often we're flippant as Christians. We speak to something and we don't see anything moved. And God wants to keep refining our tongue, refining the way we speak, what we're listening to, what we're hearing, how we're using God's words, so that when we speak the word of God, it's full of power. It's active and alive and it changes things. And that's what we want to talk about today. I want to start up in Isaiah 6. The Lord calls Isaiah. I, Isaiah called to be the Lord's prophet. And he says this, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. So he's beginning to have revelations. He's not a prophet. He's not, he doesn't have the word of God in his mouth yet. He's not re ready to speak the powerful word of God to the people of Israel so that they can bring a revelation and change can come to them because he is the mouthpiece from God to them. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What's the, what's the train? It's the glory and presence of God. In heaven, there is such a powerful presence. There is such right and wrong, no death, life, joy, everything that represents God. In earth, on earth, since Pentecost, while the disciples waited for what Jesus said, you go 
and you wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. All they had lo- known, all they had learned was on the backside. They were, go, they were to go and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, that glory of God is released on the earth. Right now, we, we could try to analyze with our natural mind. Well, where's the glory? I don't feel the glory. But I tell you, the glory of God is here. The Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is here. He's active. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, the glory is inside of you. But it can be overwhelmed by natural life and desires and distractions and all the things. The atmosphere of the United States. Every kingdom has an atmosphere. Every kingdom has a a spiritual authority, a demonic authority that's trying to destroy it. And so we as Christians have to cut through the, the demonic realm and the realm of the natural and the realm of the world that so affects us to get in touch with the glory of God. And that's why we come to service. That's why we worship. Why? We're creating and generating the presence of God, just like in heaven, the worship that's going on in heaven, so we can connect our spirit into the spirit of God, so we can begin to tap in and experience the glory. In the glory and presence of God is healing and restoration in the word of God and life. You can walk in with a situation. You can walk out today because the situation is the same, but somehow you're above the situation because you're connected with the presence and glory of God that resides in your spirit. So he saw the glory of God in Isaiah 6, 3-4. An angelic seraphim cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Holy Spirit is working in us believers right now, a work and an activity and and a change in us of holiness. It says, without holiness, no one will see God. What is that? It's such a work of character transformation and change in us that our words can become powerful in God's hands. Powerful as we open our mouths. Maybe a new guard is going to come over. So we're not just flippantly saying everything, but we're being in tune with God. We're in a crowd of people. We're being in tune I want to say what you want me to say. There's too much gossip and slander going on. There's too many negative words. And then sometimes we wonder as Christians, why don't I have a powerful word? And then in the back of our mind, we know, I've just been talking about this, or I've just been corrupted by what I heard. And it starts affecting the flow that comes from our heart, which is the powerful word of God that we are to speak as believers. We're to give witness of a God is powerful. Our words should be full of power. Again, the whole earth is full of his glory, saying what I just said. Pentecost, it all happened. Are we tapping into Pentecost? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're not, you can come to the altar at at the end of the service and say, you know, I want this. i got to have that fullness of power. I have to be able to know beyond a shadow of a doubt I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with God's power. If the disciples were not to do another thing without the Holy Spirit, how, how am I better than them? so that I can go along with my intellect and what I know about the Bible. Paul talks in Corinthians that our intellect and our knowledge is nothing compared to the wisdom of God. It's foolishness. If we rely on our own religious knowledge, it's foolishness. We need God's power, taking that word of God and taking the wisdom of God, making it knowledge and making it uh, transferable and, and playing out as we live our lives in this world. Verse 4, And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Man, even an angels are filled with power, speaking, and things are shaking and happening in heaven. We're supposed to shake the earth. We are here for a short time every day. We don't even have as much time as we did last night when we went to bed. Our time is short. We've got to maximize our relationship with God and the power that he wants to use and, and move through us so that we're effective. 
that we leave this world transferring uh, the information of the gospel into other people and doing damage where the enemy has got people captive in their lives. Isaiah 6, 5. I love this. Isaiah. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And oh, you might be convicted today of things that you're saying that are not edifying you or others, and they're not edifying the body of Christ. Maybe it's posts or things on Facebook that you're hearing and listening. They are affecting your righteous soul. It says that that uh, Lot vexed, he affected negatively his righteous soul in hearing and seeing the things in Sodom. It's almost like his power was shut down because of what he saw. And you know, There's an assault on us as Christians through the media, TV, Facebook, all the social media. It's a direct attack on your faith. It wants to water down your words of your mouth. You're a king. You're a priest. You're a, a man of God, a woman of God. And the world needs to hear your voice today. People need to hear you when you are out there on social media. They need to hear a positive word. They need to hear you correct sometimes a brother or sister who's putting stuff out there that's not building the body of Christ. Either we change or we quit calling ourselves Christians. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I love that. When we're in the presence of God and He begins to speak to us, that conviction brings us hope. He was overwhelmed by the presence of God and what He had seen. And so He could say, I am a man of unclean lips. By doing this message, I've been confessing, God, there are so many times I get caught up in the negative and I don't believe the positive. There are so many times dealing with people, I see the negative and I don't see Him changing. God, forgive me. God, You've given me many chances. Give these people I'm, I'm wrestling over. Give them more chances. Let your love keep changing them. God, let me believe a positive report about them. Let me believe that you haven't quit working on them. Why should I? Yeah. Isaiah 6, 6-7. The Lord deals with Isaiah's mouth before prophetic ministry starts. He's called as a prophet, but God had to deal with the voice. He had to deal with that instrument, the tongue, of which the prophetic word was going to come to his people. That prophetic touch was coming from heaven. That live coal. You know, Jack did a real you know, dramatic presentation when he talked about that. I remember one time when he was here. But it was heaven touching Isaiah. Why did Isaiah need his tongue touched? Adam and Eve started something. That thing about the need to know got tweaked. It got touched. It got pricked at when Satan kind of was dealing with Eve's wanting to know something. And she didn't realize she was about to lose more than she was going to gain. That thing that still is causing people to gossip and stuff, that need to know the thing inside of us is part of the old nature. Well, Isaiah, he was born in sin. He had the sin of Adam, like all of us, passed through his blood. And so God had to deal with that foundation in his spiritual life that was from Adam. 
And so his tongue, even though he's a godly man, his tongue needs a prophetic touch. And the Holy Spirit is there for us today to do something with our tongue, to help us analyze what we've been doing and what kind of information we are exchanging and interacting with that we could change, that we could start stopping the negative flow and we could start getting ready to let a powerful prophetic voice come from our own mouths. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. That is preparation. And I'm sure many of us, I'm sure you're doing it because I've been doing it since getting into this topic. God, keep working. God, forgive me where I've used my tongue in a wrong way. God, let your Holy Spirit bring a new, a new uh, sobriety, a new tameness on my own tongue that I could speak a prophetic word, that I could speak words of life, words that build instead of words that tear down. How many times in marriages... If we could have just held back from some of the things we said. How many times over the years something we said was so powerfully negative that our spouse can remember it? Ow! I've said a number of those things. Isaiah 6, 8. 6, 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. The tongue came under submission. The prophetic stream began to flow. I can believe that from today on, there's going to be a new prophetic release in, in a lot of you who have not felt it before because you're going to let God align something in your communication and the things you hear, the things you see, the things you read, and the things you identify with, and even the things sometimes you don't comment on. And maybe you're too intimidated to say something but when you speak to another brother and sister who is not talking right or not, not putting things out there on the internet right, you have a way of arresting them spiritually so that they can keep growing. It's going to take courage, but I tell you, this is the time the body's got to get stronger. We have to get in unity. Satan's wise. Man, look at the media out there. Man, you can watch one group and they say one thing. You can turn the channel and someone's saying totally opposite what they're saying. There is such division and hostility. What does that do? It steals our trust. It steals our trust. We're confused. Well, who's speaking truth? You've got to go back to the source. Your source of truth is the Word of God and your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. It says He's going to bring us into all truth. That's what He promised the disciples. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will bring you into all truth. How many want truth? I want truth. I don't want lies. I hate when I hear something and then I find out later it was a lie that somebody put out there. Oh, I feel like I've been messed with. The tongue. James talks about the tongue. You probably read it a long time ago or a lot, or, or a lot in your life, in your Christian life. Verses um, James 3, 5 through 6. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil, among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets, on, it sets the whole course of one's life on fire as in it and is itself set on fire by hell. It's interesting. 
that fire was used, that that coal came off of the altar where the fire is burning and it's put on Isaiah's tongue. It's also that Jesus said, you know, it was written about Jesus that when he comes, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. What is that fire? That fire is, again, to bring out a, a strong prophetic word of the Lord through your mouth, a strong ability to communicate the gospel in powerful ways. When you speak in powerful ways, it's like when Jesus spoke. Remember when he spoke and, and, the, and the guards all fell back as dead men? That's because, you know, when you, when you uh, read the, his story, he didn't even try to defend himself at all. He did not waste his words, but when he spoke, boom, the power of God pushed back the darkness. It pushed back the, the spiritual enemies that were against him. It's almost like we've got to save our words up and then let them out. And when we let them out, they are so packed with power. They are so packed with truth. They are so packed with something that's going to do something that people are changed. And we feel like we become a great tool of God to be used to encourage other people. Jesus said this to his disciples in Luke 21. He is talking about what it's going to be like in the last times. And it's interesting he would say this to them because obviously, well, I guess technically they were living in the last days because once Jesus initiated his death, burial, resurrection, these are all considered the last days. But when you consider the audience of the disciples then and then how he's speaking to us now, in Luke 21, 15, Jesus said this, I will give you, and that's us, I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. How many times do we, do we face bosses or people in our life and we get into these exchanges and all they do is stir up more strife? All they do is stir up more contention. You know what it says? Wherever there's envy and strife, there's every other demonic work going on. Oh, wow. Not only am I fighting against a person and they're irritating me, but now you're telling me every other divisive thing, every demonic thing's coming into play and backing that up against me? No, 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 no. We got to stop that. We want the force of the power of God, which is greater than the demonic. It's Jesus in us to push back the darkness and deal with our adversaries as God would have them dealt with. In James 3, 7 through 12, he goes on. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. How many times have we fought on the way to church, praised, and fought on the way home? I told you this recently. T.D. Jakes was on there and said, Man, I'm preaching on marriage and everything else, and on my way home, I'm fighting with my wife. You know, it shows that this is the humanness we deal with. This is the sin nature that we deal with. It's constantly, it's more about our, our relationship sins are, are, are the big killers. And we are to keep working on our words that we encourage people, that we love people, that we bless people. And we, when we feel like we, we can't say anything positive, put the lid on it, stuff it down. Let God have it. Tell God your frustration, but don't let it out on them because it's going to come back on you. You know, I probably said this before, but if you're here, you, it'll be new to you. 
in Christian community, we, we had this class. It was called Coping with Conflicts. I think it was Amy Van Meter's sister-in-law did this class, and it was like dealing. They gave you all kinds of tools how to deal with your will, and especially in the ways of communication. And there was this one word called symbolic victory. It's when you get into an argument, you've got to have the last word. And you are just, man, you just, it's almost like you were a lawyer and you just, you cut that person all up and you had the last word and it feels good only for a moment. And then if you're a Christian and a believer, the weight of what you said and how you just slayed that person is now come back on you. And if it's a family member, you actually distance yourself and it's going to be a lot of humble pie to restore with them. Be honest with me. Come on. You've had those times? Yes. God, tame my tongue. Cursed human beings who have been made in the likeness of God, even our worst enemies. God loves them. He loves, he died for everyone in the world. It says, even the death of the wicked does not please the Lord. Out of the same mouth, Come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Again, our, our scripture for, for today, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Watching our words, taking a new inventory. There's a little paper that Kelly printed out for me in your bulletin. Hopefully you'll spin it, take it with your devotion this week and let God just begin to deal with how you're talking. Again, you don't want to be under condemnation and you don't want to be guilty. But look to the Lord and whatever you're seeing, even whatever you're knowing right now about yourself and how you want to change. Let the Holy Spirit work. Be encouraged. God doesn't tell us something about ourselves, but to change something and to make us, again, more powerful in how we communicate. The tongues that damage, 1 Peter 4.15. Peter the Apostle of Jesus wrote, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Wow, it's interesting. He, he includes being a busybody with murderers, huh? Whoa. That must tell us just a little bit about how God thinks our words are so important and they're so powerful. A definition of a busybody, someone who meddles in the affairs of others. I'm not even going to ask if anybody does that. You know, a lot of times I think when we do, we, we have good intentions, but it usually doesn't get better after that. What about a mischief maker, troublemaker, or gossip? You know, sometimes we just get downright evil. You know, we get in and we start saying things that hurt. It's just part of our own nature that we're giving our will to and we're giving our voice to, and so we're cutting people with our words. A talebearer, a person who gossips or reveals secrets. Do you guys do that? Do you uncover someone telling us their secrets? My brother-in-law, Ty, used to say, if you Tell on yourself, there's no one else to tell. Leviticus 19.16, this is from the Old Testament. The Lord said, You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. 
I'm sure he said that in a very powerful way. And I'm sure when that command came out, they were shaking with the weight and power of what he said that and the spirit of which God said that. You know, sometimes when you get those feelings of conviction, it just kind of does an abrupt change in your life. And the soberness comes on you. And the self-control comes from the Holy Spirit where you're able to put, put some barriers and boundaries down and to walk away from some things. Proverbs 11.13 He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy and faithful in spirit keeps the matter hidden. You know, sometimes things, we just got to be the one who covers the, the person's sin, covers whatever happened, so that the grace of God can keep them from being overwhelmed by shame and guilt. And we extend the love and grace to them so that they can move forward. And that can be something from their past, just like we all have things in our past that we're moving forward. And we don't necessarily want the world to know what we did. I sure appreciate Mark and how he shared this week. He was so open and vulnerable. Who could talk about Mark when he revealed such truths about himself? We have such high respect for you, Mark. We thank you for sharing openly. Gossip and slander, definition of gossip, a rumor of a personal nature. One who engages in such talk, talking about personal or private affairs of others. Slander, the speaking of lies harmful to a person to speak damaging lies about someone. You know, sometimes slander nowadays, there's so much information going out there that someone throws out something and before you know it, things are tacked on and Maybe, maybe none of the stuff that was tacked on was really true. That's how the enemy separates people. That's how the enemy separates us from having a, a strong uh, presence of God, a, a strong word in our mouth. That's how our spirituality kind of gets watered down, gets contaminated. If, if we are containers of the Holy Spirit and that prophetic presence, it's so easy to see how the different things that are go on around us can affect and cause that presence and that ability for us to speak to become just like, almost like, where is it at? It gets so watered down. It gets so confused. We're not sure where God's at. A lot of times, we, if we think about how we've been talking, what we've been listening to, we've gotten muddied. We, we've gotten dirty inside, and we need to shake it off. We need to repent. We need to ask God again, wash me from the things I've heard. Wash me and cleanse me, Lord, that I can hear from you and that I can say the right thing again. In 2 Timothy um, 3, 3, Tim wrote, or Paul wrote to Timothy, in the last days, people would be without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. In verse 5, he goes on to say, having nothing to do with a person who's slandering. These are the last days. It is evident and very visible, and we hear it, that this is the way things are. But we are here to counter this world and what's going on. We are supposed to speak the truth in love according to Ephesians 4.15 so we can address things that are truthful and help someone correct, but do it because we want to see people move forward from something and not remain in, in where they're at. In Titus 2.3, Paul wrote Titus saying, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, 
but to teach them what is good. Now, in our time, I have to say it applies to men too because I've heard some men be as slanderous as maybe he's talking about the girls who were back in those days. One who gossips uncovers and destroys others, not caring the damage that they do. Would you stand? And we're going to close these last 10 minutes in prayer, and the altars are going to be open. You know, if you want to come to the altar and get prayer about something, you can come. If you want to pray, pray in your seat and just begin to surrender to God, maybe some of those things that you said, things that you've read, things that you've heard, places you've entered into gossip or slander, and just begin to let God just wash over you. The Lord Jesus wants to tame our tongue. He wants to restore to us an ability to have self-control, to govern and watch and guard over our lips and hold back from giving out to those words that are not right. Thank you so much for coming today. And I believe God's just going to keep blessing you. You're going to have a great week.